Is this chicken what I have or is this fish? What are you? An idiot sandwich. Idiot sandwich what? An idiot sandwich, Chef Ramsay. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. How dare you? Congratulations, you're a meathead, son. But you know what? Don't ever put your hands on my underwear. This is the Where's the yeah, I mean, you really don't make friends around here, do you? I, I didn't come here for that. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Snap Back to Reality, the podcast dedicated to the trash TV we grew up with and love to hate. I'm your host, Riley Ennis, and welcome to episode 18. Thank you all so much for joining me, and my apologies for missing last week. I had a feeling that I was going to miss a week with all of the insanity of the move and just things getting packed, um, and I was right. Uh, Yeah, so I really appreciate if you're back and if you bear with me over the the last week where I was kind of MIA. Um, Everything was packed up when I would have normally recorded last week. Um, Plus, I really just didn't have time to, like, watch a show and, like, really sit down and dedicate myself to, like, taking notes and doing the research that it deserved. So I think, all things considered, it's probably for the best that I just didn't put out a really horrible episode last week. And I can focus on giving you something better this week. So thank you so much for bearing with me on that. Um, The move went really well. We're in the new place. I super love it. It's really cute. I'm really happy. Things are a little bit different. Um, My like podcast recording station is kind of in a different area than it was. Um, And by my podcast recording station, I mean my husband's computer because he is so kind as to let me use it. It's very much his computer. It's not the family computer. Like shout out to Andrew. I appreciate it. But yeah, instead of having his computer in the spare bedroom like we had at the old place, um, that's going to be more of like my office. And eventually once I have a desk of my own, that will be where I record podcasts and things. Um, So his computer right now is in like the living room. And that's fine. Um, He's at work right now. So it's just me alone here. No big deal. But I had to like turn off our cat fountain so that there wasn't like a water running sound in the background. And I was going to do a load of laundry, but our laundry in the kitchen which is like 10 feet away so I figured I should probably wait until I'm done recording so things are a little bit different I'm getting my sea legs but I think it's I think it's gonna be pretty good um in all honesty I had recorded like seven minutes of this podcast already and it was just like kind of a mess and I just wasn't it wasn't up to to up to snuff so I'm I'm back I'm starting over fresh and I'm feeling better about how this is going already Another thing that I wanted to announce uh, that I haven't had a chance to just because it wasn't completely set in stone and I didn't want to like announce things before things were super official and then last week I wasn't on the mic so I didn't get a chance to say anything, um, I got a new job. So yeah, that is kind of what I had been alluding to over the past few months when I had been saying like things are really crazy, like things had been crazy because of the move and because of like other things that were happening, of course, too. But I was also interviewing for a new job and then I, you know, got it and I was trying to like work out my notice at my old job and kind of transition there. So today is Monday. It's like two in the afternoon I have this week off like I'm unemployed I guess for this week which is kind of weird but it's nice um it's really nice because I have a chance to like unpack our house and kind of get things decorated and do some home improvement projects hopefully get our back porch screened in later this week but it's definitely strange leaving my old job I was there for almost four years um I it was my first job out of college but it just feels like the right move um you know I kind of I've lived my life in these four-year chunks, like four years of high school, four years of college, four years at my first job out of college. So yeah, it's time to move on onto something new. And I'm really excited about what I'll be doing. Um, so hopefully 
next week. Well, actually, if everything goes according to plan, I will hopefully be recording some episodes, multiple episodes this week to kind of give me a buffer. So I probably won't actually talk about my like experience of my new job until, well, I'll talk about it next week, but you guys probably won't hear it for another few weeks. But yeah, feel free to like DM me if you want to ask me like how that goes. I start next Monday, um, so I'm excited. But yeah, it's just like things have been happening. Transitions have been happening all over, obviously. But it feels it feels good. It feels like it's the right time for all these things to be changing, like a new place, a new job. So I'm excited. Um, I also got some really nice reviews on the podcast since I last recorded. So I really, really appreciate the people who gave me nice ratings and nice reviews. Um, I, I'm back up to five stars, which I honestly didn't even think was possible because like I figured once I got a two-star review or a two-star rating or whatever, it's going to drop me down forever. So I'm, I'm five stars on iTunes, which means a lot. Um, that's how people find the podcast. So I really, really appreciate anyone who's taken the time to give me a rating or a review. So, all of that housekeeping more or less out of the way, uh, let's jump into this week's episode. Let's talk about some reality TV. Um, So I wanted to do something, a competition reality. I was thinking, you know, I kind of, I've started to get a feel for like the different patterns of like reality TV shows and I don't know, it's craving a little bit more of like the competition reality, like a survivor or an amazing race. So I decided that I wanted to talk about Hell's Kitchen this week. Um, I personally had never seen Hell's Kitchen before, which is kind of funny because nowadays I do really love like cooking competition reality shows, mostly the ones on Food Network. So maybe I just like it wasn't really on my radar since Hell's Kitchen was like a Fox show or maybe when it like first started airing, I wasn't really into those types of reality shows back then. Like I didn't really like the cooking based shows, so I I just never got on my radar. But I love things like Chopped, um, Next Food Network Star, Worst Chefs in America. That one's really good. So yeah, I figured that Hell's Kitchen at least would be interesting for me to do. Um, I did watch some like Kitchen Nightmares, you know, Gordon Ramsay's other show. I saw like the British version and the American version of Kitchen Nightmares. And I've seen some of like MasterChef Junior when my dad was watching it. I don't watch MasterChef, so I don't know exactly how that like differentiates between MasterChef versus Hell's Kitchen. I think MasterChef is like a little bit more chill than Hell's Kitchen. Like Hell's Kitchen is known for Gordon Ramsay being like the devil, basically. Um, so I don't know. I'm not not super, super familiar with Gordon's like entire body of work. But I thought it would be fun to kind of start at the beginning. This is kind of the first show that like made him break into like the American TV scene and kind of just give him notoriety in America in general. So I thought it would be cool to talk about. Um, so because Hell's Kitchen is like so like so much of the show relies on the personality of Gordon Ramsay himself I thought we'd start with just a little bit of background on him before we go into the background on the show so he was born in Scotland and raised in Stratford-upon-Avon which is also where Shakespeare was raised um, he began studying cooking at age 19 um, and he kind of just worked his way up working in various restaurant kitchens and stuff eventually he went to France and he studied cooking in uh, Paris I believe and yeah he just like opened restaurants restaurants of his own just kind of the trajectory of a very successful celebrity chef and he began appearing in British TV on in the late 90s and the early 2000s um, just different documentaries a couple of different cooking reality shows Um, and then the original version of Hell's Kitchen the British version began airing in 2004 Um, so he was actually only the head chef of the first season or series I guess as it's called like in the UK of the, the British version of Hell's Kitchen but obviously he is like the entire personality of the American version 
Um, so the American version started airing on Fox in 2005. The first season specifically started airing on May 30th, 2005. So we actually just passed its 14th anniversary. It's also still airing to this day, which I hadn't realized. So that's kind of cool. Um, and the notable differences between the two versions of the UK versus the US version was that um, Gordon's personality, and this is the same for Kitchen, Nightwork, Kitchen Nightmares as well, um, Gordon's personality is a lot harsher and he, you know, kind of yells and he puts on these like dramatics, histrionics for the United States versions, whereas for like the international versions, the British versions, he's a lot more low key. He's kind of um, like the Simon Cowell, I guess, of the kitchen in the U.S. version, whereas, like, he's just, like, you know, kind of a curmudgeon, but, like, generally a nice guy. So the premise of the show, in case you don't know, it's a competition reality show where a group of expiring chefs, um, they compete for their own restaurant or, like, a job as a head chef at an established restaurant. I think it kind of varies um, season to season on what exactly their prize is. So they're initially split up into teams. Um, apparently all but the first, which is the season I watched, and the most recent seasons had the teams divided into genders. So it was like red team was women and blue team was men, which is a little bit strange in my opinion. I, I like it better how in the first season it's just kind of randomly divided. And each episode features a challenge where the winners get some sort of reward or advantage, and then the losers usually have some kind of like menial task that they have to perform, like cleaning the restaurant or like doing all of the prep work. And also each episode they have the dinner service and so that's kind of where the infamous scenes of Chef Ramsay like screaming at the uh, people and calling them idiots comes from where they're you know cooking meals for a restaurant full of patrons and you know, something's raw and he like yells at them that's that's where that comes in. Uh, also at a certain point during the season um, the teams are combined into one once it gets like small enough I think top five. And then they're just kind of competing individually instead of on a team, kind of team versus team basis. But before the teams are combined, um, after each service, Gordon will pick a team that wins. And then out of the losing team, he will pick the person who did best out of the losers to nominate two of their teammates uh, for elimination. Um, so the season takes about five weeks to film, during which the contestants are completely sequestered from the outside world, and they're not allowed to call home or have any contact with home whatsoever. Even in the first season, they mentioned they weren't even allowed to write letters. Um, they also just have to stay kind of sequestered on their own. Uh, it's a soundstage. It's like a warehouse soundstage, and it has the Hell's Kitchen restaurant, and it also has like dormitories and living quarters where the contestants live. So they have some sleeping areas for dorms. They have like a kitchen where they can eat. They have like a little living area and the little outside courtyard. But unless you win one of those mini challenges, you don't get to leave the like the premise whatsoever. So for the first two seasons, Hell's Kitchen, um, it was set in a former studio of the Los Angeles television station. Sorry, Los Angeles television station KCOP. Um, also, another fun fact is just according to an AMA from a former contestant, there was always a lot of sex that was happening in the dorms, which is not really something, at least in the first season, that you ever saw implied. Uh, you have in the dorm area, they have lots of cameras everywhere, even in the bathroom, I guess, except for like on the toilet themselves. Um, so it's kind of like Big Brother in that regard that you kind of see everything that goes on in those dorm areas. But they don't, at least in the first season, the editors don't really edit it to be like salacious and see like, I mean, I don't know if there was any kind of sex going on behind the scenes in the first season but as far as I could tell it's not usually like a focus like that's not the drama that the story editors choose to focus on 
Um, another fun fact is that all contestants get to keep their knife sets no matter how far they make it in the competition. So that's pretty nice because I bet those are like actually legit really good knife sets. Um, and then the set of Hell's Kitchen itself, uh, the restaurant area is open and you can see into the two kind of open kitchen areas the blue kitchen and the red kitchen so the people who are there dining for each of the dinner services are able to see and like hear what's going on they can see like all the chefs freaking out and chef ramsey screaming at them so that's kind of fun um most of the diners are i thought so this was kind of funny i thought as i was watching it i was like oh these are definitely just extras that were like cast from some casting agency these are people who like want to make it on television because a a couple of different times the diners will come up and talk to like gordon himself as he's like trying to direct the chefs and they'll be like why is this food taking so long or whatever and gordon will like blow up and yell at them like yell at the diners themselves and so i think it's just to show like he's a maniac like he doesn't care if you're the customer if you're the chef like he doesn't care he'll just yell at you no matter what he calls like some women bimbos and i don't know he's not the greatest guy so i figure like these were people who were actually cast like by a casting agent to play like diner number one who's gonna go up and annoy chef ramsey but interestingly it said that usually the people who were the diners in the restaurants were like the family and friends of the production crew and it's really hard to get a seat in hell's kitchen if you don't know someone or if you're not like at least like a low-level celebrity um there's also a backup kitchen crew to serve dinner to the customers if it's a night where uh gordon shuts down the service because like the contestants are doing so poorly because that happens a few times so it even if you're a diner you know you you'll get taken care of you'll get your food even if like shit gets shut down but also you get free booze like free wine and beer um because it's almost a guarantee that your food will at least be late um and obviously being a contestant is super unhealthy um being on hell's kitchen you basically don't sleep you get screamed at all the time there's like you're in a constant high pressure situation um so all of the contestants are seen by a psychologist whenever they leave um either like if they leave the show themselves and choose to walk off like one of the contestants did in the first season or if you're just eliminated you have to like get checked out to make sure you're not a suicide risk um and there's also accusations of like producer fuckery um producers messing with ingredients or things that are happening while dinner service is going on to cause something to go wrong to cause Gordon Ramsay to blow up and you know have that dramatic moment because these for the most part are a lot of people who are professional chefs or coming from backgrounds where they at least have some kitchen experience and some of the things that they're messing up are at least you know are pretty basics that they shouldn't be messing up so like some of the um from what I could tell in my research, some of the recurring themes that happen throughout like the various seasons is that people always mess up the scallops. They're either overcooked or undercooked or the risotto is burned. And these are supposed to be things that like any basic chef could do. Um, what is interesting though, while the, there are a lot of chefs and professional cooks, because obviously the prize is winning your own restaurant and people who are in the industry already want that. Um, they the casting agents look more for just passion in general so you can have no experience whatsoever in cooking but if you're really passionate about that that's something that counts more for you being cast than someone with tons of experience or tons of you know background skills or whatever so how i came to pick this episode in particular um like i mentioned we're doing season one i just like to start with season one when it shows that i haven't seen before unless someone has like a specific episode or season that they want me to watch 
Um, and then after watching the entire season, I thought that episode eight was pretty good for a few different reasons. So just at this point, it's like the final four. So there are just less characters to talk about, which I feel like is always less confusing when you're listening to a recap and there are like a million characters to keep up with. So we're just going to be talking about like the final four. Um, this also, I thought I had, this episode had really good story editing. Like there's a complete story arc just within this single episode and also plays in kind of well to um, some of the story arc and character development that happens throughout the entire season. So I thought this was probably a good one to talk about. Um, plus the like challenge that happens in this one, like the pre-dinner service challenge is kind of fun and it reminded me of Chopped. So I just wanted to do that because I like Chopped. So, Hell's Kitchen Season 1 Episode 8, it's called Day 8. It's interesting, all of the um, Hell's Kitchen, like, episode titles are just Day 1, Day 2, Day 3, Day 4, but it's not like the days are in, like, sequential order. I mean, that sounds weird, but what I'm saying is it's not like they have a dinner service that's shown every single night because it's, like, sometimes Day 1 will happen and then you know, they'll have a challenge or they'll do a couple more things and a few days later they'll have like a dinner service and that dinner service is day two or whatever. So it just, it's kind of funny because it acts as if there are only 10 days in this entire challenge just based on the episode titles. But we know that it's filmed over five weeks. So it's more than that. So we get a previously on. um, So it tells us that that was the final five and the teams were combined um, so that they were just competing as individuals. Uh, one of the contestants, Jimmy, he won the challenge, and so he got to kind of hobnob with Gordon. They got, like, a helicopter ride. Um, Jimmy and then another contestant, Jessica, they both had a hard time at uh, dinner, so Ralph, who nominated both of them to be eliminated. Um, Elsie, another one of the contestants, had actually asked Ralph if he would nominate her because she was tired and homesick, but he did not. Um, and so, yeah, Jimmy goes home. So, sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> Um, so what's kind of interesting about Hell's Kitchen is that like these episodes pick up immediately after the previous episode elimination like you see the people get dismissed and like go back to their dorms and then kind of like debrief and talk about it it's a little bit um a little bit like the more recent seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race in that way like how Drag Race will open with the you know drag queens coming in and talking about like who had just gotten eliminated and wiping off the mirror message and then like de-dragging and stuff like that's the end of the last episode so it's kind of it's always like the continuation of hell's kitchen and just picks up immediately from that person getting um getting eliminated so we see uh, jessica and ralph hug um because ralph had just nominated jessica for elimination um and jessica tells him that she doesn't hate him and he calls her little one which i thought was a little bit weird but um they're established to have like a bond Ralph is 10 years older than Jessica. Ralph looks about 20, maybe 25 years older than Jessica. He is a really rough looking 36. I know that like the the cooking industry, like being a chef will do that to you. And he is um, one of the more experienced chefs on this season. But Ralph isn't looking good. Um, So he calls her little one, which could be kind of weird. But I guess since he does seem like so much older than her and like very fatherly, it's kind of cute. And Jess says in a talking head that she knows she needs to prove herself, you know, especially since she didn't do so great at the last service. Um, And then Elsie um, is another one of the contestants, and she says in her talking head that she didn't feel confident when she came here, but now she feels like she can win. 
And so overall, the mood has shifted like at this point in the competition um, and it's not as jovial. You know, people aren't joking around and bonding like they were earlier in the competition when there were a lot more of them. And I think people are more thinking about the competition as it affects them as individuals rather than like working together as a team, which is regardless of what happens, like Gordon has always, you know, stressed that you have to work as a team if you're on the line, like if you want to run a restaurant, like it's an, it's an exercise in teamwork as well as like a, a representation of your individual skills. So I'm sorry if you just heard that. It was my cat knocking things over in the background. Things that he's never knocked over until right now when I'm recording, of course. Okay, so moving back on. Um, So they all head into the restaurant the next morning, and Gordon is there waiting for them. Um, He says that they look very serious, which again kind of harkens back to like the shift in the mood. And so he describes the next challenge. Um, He says that this is a challenge that he gives to all new chefs that started his restaurant and that they must create a dish utilizing a basket of 15 leftover ingredients. So I think I mentioned that this reminds me of Chopped, which I love. It's like probably my favorite like competition reality like cooking show on tv so i just i don't know i think it's always really fun when you have to just take something and really quickly come up with a way to utilize all of those ingredients which is kind of crazy because here like on chop they have like half an hour to an hour i think depending on whatever course they're on they have only 15 minutes to make a dish which just doesn't seem like enough time to one like plan something that uses as many of those ingredients as possible and then two like execute it but they do it Um, and Gordon also spreads out the groups so that they can't cheat off of each other and says that they're going to be judged on presentation uh, taste and creativity which means like maximizing the usage of all the ingredients like using as many of them as possible so we see Elsie kind of get started in her kitchen and she calls herself the leftover queen Um, Elsie is I love Elsie. She's like my favorite character this season. She's a mom of six, which is brought up all the time. And, you know, when you're a mom of six, like you got to make do with what you have. So she says she's going to be making chicken soup for her dish. Jessica says um, that her mom is the inspiration for her dish because she was always throwing things together. Um, And so we see her working in the kitchen a little bit. Ralph says that he'll be making a saute of chicken drumsticks. Which is kind of, I don't know if that's the correct way to put it, a saute of? Wouldn't you just say like sauteed chicken drumsticks? Okay, whatever. So we see the contestants all working and cooking, you know, building their dishes as much as they can in 15 minutes. Um, You know, time is running out really quickly. The last of the four, Michael, you know, he has a minute left and he wants to take his chicken off the bone, but he doesn't have time. So he says like, I'm not going to do it. So... They all finish. Um, The narrator at this point, who, there's a narrator in this series who just kind of chimes in randomly. I feel like he's not really necessary, but he's around. Um, So he says that Chef Ramsay believes the key to any good restaurant is utilizing leftovers from the previous night's dinner service, which I just wrote in my notes that makes sense, but that's not really the most appetizing way to put it. And I would prefer if I like didn't know that about my restaurants. Like I just don't want to think about them like using the leftovers making some weird mystery meat soup or whatever. So the chefs present their dishes to Gordon, um, and Jessica's up first. So she says that she made a beef stew, and then she also made a dessert of berries and cream. Uh, Gordon tastes the stew, and he says that it looks a mess, but it tastes delicious. Um, Basically, same for the berries. Good flavor, but zero presentation, which I don't think is necessarily true, because the berries look nice to me. Like, they're, you know, neatly arranged, and the cream looks nice, but whatever. Um, 
he's Gordon Ramsay, so who am I to say anything? Michael's up next. He made pasta and chicken wings. Again, they had chicken wings, so did he just, like, refry the chicken wings? It reminds me of um, in Chopped whenever they, like, get yelled at for, like, not actually transforming the ingredient and just, like, put taking it from the basket and putting it on the plate in some way. Um, so Gordon says that uh, his his dishes are basically the opposite of Jessica's. They look nice, but they don't really taste good. And then he specifically calls him out for the chicken bones and says that it's very dangerous to leave those bones in there and that it's a bit of a letdown. So, you know, he knew better than that, but he just kind of gave up because he didn't have time. Ralph uh, says he made his saute of chicken drumstick. Um, an on-the-fly palm lyonnaise and natural thyme sauce. I don't know what any of that means. <laughs> I, I don't. Palms is like potatoes, right? I don't know what palms lyonnaise is or a natural thyme is. Um, and Gordon compliments the presentation, says that it looks like it just came out of a restaurant, um, that it tastes good, but that there wasn't really a good utilization of the ingredients. He only used about a third, a little bit under a third of the ingredients in the basket, so not the best. And then Elsie is last, um, and so she reveals her chicken soup that she made. She calls it her hangover special. And so in her talking head, like right before Gordon's about to take his, you know, taste of the soup, she says that she's feeling really nervous because, you know, all of the other chefs made something that she felt was like really, you know, complex or fancy, and she just made like a very simple chicken soup. Um, and Gordon even says, like, as he's about to eat it, that it looks like it's some, it looks like something out of a sewage canal, but then he tastes it and says that it's delicious, um, a real hearty and warm, substantial soup, which is great, but, like, don't refer to it as sewage, because that's real nasty. Like, I could never eat something that someone just called sewage. Um, so he actually says to everyone that for 15 minutes, like, everything isn't bad, so that seems like that's, like, very high praise coming from him. Um, and Elsie wins. So I'm happy because Elsie's like my favorite. I think she's super cute. Um, Gordon really has a soft spot for her in the very, very first challenge when all of the chefs were there. They all had to make their individual like signature dishes and she made like turkey tacos, turkey tacos like that she makes for her kids all the time. And Gordon said that they, they were pretty good. So he's always kind of had a soft spot for Elsie. Um, and he even says that he would like pay for her chicken soup in a restaurant. So that's Again, very high praise coming from him. And so he says that the winner, um, she's going to do something very different, very exciting, but he's keeping it secret. He doesn't really give in what she's going to be doing. Um, Just tells her that they're in for an exciting morning and that she needs to bring her knives with her. Um, So the narrator tells us via voiceover that Elsie has once again proven that talent and creativity can impress Chef Chef Ramsay more than experience. Like I mentioned, um, you know, she was the one in the the first challenge who kind of impressed him the most, um, other than some of the even, like, chefs with experience who presented him dishes. And this has kind of just been, like, her theme throughout the competition and that she's kind of just been Gordon's favorite. So Jessica comes over and she asks to try Elsie's soup. Um, and Jessica has a talking head where she says she thought that she was going to win based on the fact that Gordon liked her food and that she had dessert on her plate when Elsie did not have dessert. She just had, you know, like the entree. Um, Ralph also comes over and asks to try the soup. And he, like, tastes it and he says that it's yummy. But Elsie has a little talking head where she says, like, it annoyed her that they both came over and asked to try it. Like, they couldn't believe that it was actually that good. 
Um, but Elsie apparently has been on the winning side of five challenges, which I hadn't really noticed. Um, a lot of the earlier challenges were team challenges, so the entire team would win and they'd get to go out to a restaurant or get a massage or something. Uh, so I guess she's, you know, she just won all those team challenges and then the individual challenge, but the others are starting to get tired of her success, um, especially Ralph. It says that Ralph hadn't been out of the gates of Hell's Kitchen since they first arrived. And so that was actually the moment. It took me until this long, like eight episodes into the series, that I realized they don't leave the fucking restaurant, which is insane. Like five weeks just staying like in one place, like hoping that maybe you win a challenge so that you get to go out to a restaurant or go for, you know, a little excursion or whatever. Five weeks in the same building is a very long time. I mean, they have like a little courtyard area in the back where they can go out and smoke, but like they don't, it's a courtyard. It's like boxed in by like the sides of the building. So you don't really get to go anywhere. So that's a little nuts that he was there for that long. And like, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like my mental state would probably not be the healthiest. Um, so yeah, Ralph is like disappointed because he didn't win um, and he thought that his dish looked the best and you know he says in a talking head that no one likes a sore loser but then we see footage of him like throwing dishes into a sink like very angrily. <laughs> so it's like okay well you're definitely a little bit bitter there. Um, and so the, that night they're in the dorm kitchen and Elsie is kind of just talking to Ralph about how she has to be up early the next day, how she's supposed to be wearing her chef's coat and bring her knives and she has no idea what it's going to be, um, but that, you know, whatever it is, it beats prepping. <laughs> and I think she's kind of like rubbing it in a little bit, but I don't know if she realizes that she is or not. So the next morning uh, she gets up at seven, um, her and Gordon leave Hell's Kitchen and they get into a limo. So like once She's, like, already in the limo, I guess, before she has a chance to escape. Gordon tells her, like, what their or what her prize is going to be. So they're going to be doing a live cooking segment on a TV show called Good Day Live, which I don't remember existing in 2005, but I guess it was a thing. Um, and that they're on their way to the TV studio right now. And Elsie is first, like, pretty disbelieving. And I was worried that she was going to be, like, not okay with it. Because, you know, some people don't want to be cooking on live TV, they might be okay with, you know, being on an edited reality show or whatever, but, like, live might be scary for a bunch of people. Um, but Elsie, like, seems really excited about it, and she's not, like, worried about it. I mean, she's a little bit worried about it, I'm sure, but she's not, like, she doesn't want to do it. So um, they get to the studio, um, and then the losers back at the restaurant are doing prep for that night's dinner service. Um, so there are two sous chefs uh, that I guess kind of work with each of the teams who have like worked under Gordon or whatever at his various restaurants. So one of the sous chefs, Mary Ann, um, was kind of asking them if they have any guesses on what Elsie would be doing. And so Ralph says that he thinks she's cooking for the governor. And so um, Marianne makes a comment at that point that she wouldn't want that gig because she doesn't have a good schnitzel recipe. And so that reminded me, because I wasn't even thinking about it, but at this point, like, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger was governor of California. So that is, like, one of the few dated references we get. Like, all things considered, this episode or the season of Hell's Kitchens, like, seems still, like, pretty modern and relevant to this day. But there's just, like, a little, a little clue that, you know, this took place in the past. Um, so back at the TV studio, Elsie's like getting into hair and makeup and she says she feels like a movie star and she's really excited. So again, it's cute and I'm happy that she's like excited for her prize. Like she wants her little 15 minutes of fame. She's not nervous. Well, again, she's, she's a little nervous, but she's like nervous and excited, not like shaking her boots nervous. Um, and so at that point, the other sous chef 
who's not Marianne. I'm sorry, I forgot his name. Um, Scott? I want to say it's Scott. Um, he pulls the other contestants away from their prep at, like, you know, back at the restaurant and pulls them over to a TV at the bar. And he turns the TV on and, like, Good Day Live little intro starts playing. And as that goes, like, as that's happening, Ralph starts saying, oh, no, oh, no, because he knows what's coming. Like, he realized what Elsie's prize was. Um, so this is actually something that I noticed that I thought was kind of cool that the editors did. Again, I think the editors did a really good job with this episode, which is why I'm talking about it. So Ralph is saying, like, oh, no, oh, no, like, as the the segment is starting up, and then, like, right as the host comes on, you know, you see the Good Day Live, it's the two hosts, and then there's Gordon Ramsay staying in the middle. So Ralph said, oh, no, and then the host comes up, and she's like, oh, yes, welcome back to Good Day Live. So I thought it was just kind of funny that he said, oh, no, and then she started with, oh, yes, and I'm not sure if that was just, like, serendipity happening, but then I think the editors noticed it, and they put it together, and it's something that I noticed. So yeah, the um, host of Good Day Live introduces Gordon Ramsay and he explains like they'll be making risotto live on television. Um, He calls Elsie over and invites her to demonstrate how the risotto is made. And yeah, she seems like she's doing a really great job. She seems pretty natural on TV. She's explaining how the risotto is made and the hosts are asking questions, you know, and she's answering them like pretty confidently, which is all great, especially because she's like the person who has the least amount of experience Um, in a kitchen out of anyone she's like just a mother of six who came here because she has a passion for cooking so I really like that um and yeah the other contestants are super bitter as they watch her and they just like are really just salty um so Jessica has like a semi-shady talking head where she says that Elsie's a little bit older and so are those women like referring to the hosts of Good Day Live and she's like so I think they kind of bonded there as far as that goes which I don't know it seemed like that was like a little bit shady so after the segment ends um the the guy sous chef Scott as I named him I think that's his name uh Scott clicks off the tv and so like the other three are just sitting there in silence while we have some like shady background music playing and he tells them to go back in the kitchen they're like yeah sure and they were just so, like, you could tell, just tell they were, like, mad that they made them watch it. And then, like, as a juxtaposition of all of that, like, them just, like, very quietly going back into the kitchen, we see Elsie leaving the TV station, and, like, the hosts and the crew are kind of fawning over her a little bit, you know, talking to her, be really sweet. And she even says, like, oh, yeah, if I were the other contestants, I'd be jealous, too. Um, but she like gets backstage and she starts like celebrating and kind of like jumps around and says like I did it I did it I didn't crack and she was really cute Um, so back at the restaurant the others are you know they're back at their prep and they're still bitter and they're kind of talking about it Um, so Michael says how next time they should all make chicken soup and then Jessica tells her not to get her pissed off over it again Um, they talk about how it was sewer water stew sewer water soup and how the chicken still had the bone on it but she like didn't get in trouble for that Um, And then they just kind of decide that they're not going to bail her out tonight. Like, if something happens, they're not going to carry her. They're not going to, like, bail her out of the weeds. Um, And so, yeah, Ralph and Jessica kind of talk about how upset they are. Jessica says that she should have won it and how, like, if you look at what she made, she won it. So, yeah, they're just really upset. (laughs) Um, So Gordon and Elsie walk back into the restaurant. I just noticed that the time says it's about 12.15, so I guess she had been gone for about four or five hours. Um... And Ralph and Jessica are, like, still talking amongst themselves about how they're not going to bail her out. And I'm thinking, like, it looks like she's going to come up 
upon them talking about her and I figure oh yeah like this is gonna have some like good drama right here but that doesn't happen no she just kind of walks up and I it doesn't seem like she heard them talking shit on her um and so I, one thing I did notice though was that before Elsie got up there when Ralph and Jessica were just talking shit on her Ralph specifically said like well if she's in the weeds at the garnish station we're not gonna bail her out so I'm guessing at this point in the competition you know they have the different stations on the line when they're cooking they have meat fish vegetables garnish starters whatever dessert and they must have some sort of rotation so that they know who's at what station on which night and I'm sure like as the competition narrows down they either have to man you know multiple stations or they have help from the sous chefs manning the other stations so he did say specifically that Elsie was supposed to be on the garnish station that night so Gordon and Elsie walk into the kitchen and you know Gordon kind of asks like oh did you guys see her on the show what did you think um Ralph gets super fucking fake immediately and he was just like oh it was excellent you were so good I'm so happy for you like he wasn't just talking full shit about how mad he was and how he's not gonna bail her out tonight sidebar I also just wrote in my notes my notes crack me up because there's so many things in my notes that I don't even read out and they're just like inside jokes to myself but I will read this one um I was like I wonder if he's a Gemini and then I looked it up and no he's a Libra and then I was like well I wonder if he's a Gemini moon but I couldn't find it I'm sorry I believe in astrology sorry guys (laughs) whatever don't rate me poorly over that (laughs) just send me an email if you want to complain about it um and so okay sorry back to the actual show and so yeah Ralph gets super fake and tries to say that like oh I'm so happy for you that was really great um and then Gordon's like well did you guys learn anything and there was like an awkward silence and Michael just goes yeah don't learn don't lose challenges and yeah Ralph's just like yeah because you might be looking at some tv action so don't lose challenges and Gordon kind of was just like okay great yeah he I don't think he was trying to make them say like oh yes we learned from Elsie how to make risotto because we're so stupid and we didn't know beforehand um but then Gordon also announces that there's one more part to her win and that Elsie gets to decide who's on which station tonight so there goes that predetermined order uh that I guess Ralph was kind of talking about alluding to that she was going to be on garnish station and she gets to choose whatever station she wants to be on um and yeah so Gordon just kind of leaves him for a little bit he'll come back later to talk about who gets what station but Michael um starts talking to Elsie I guess they're all kind of just in the kitchen prepping at this point um he asked her if she had a good experience this morning and just kind of asking her about it and then again these people are just like really two-faced and like unnet like unnecessarily so Like, Gordon being like, oh, what did you think? You could just be like, oh, yeah, it was really interesting or it was good. You don't have to be like, oh, it was so great. It was excellent. I'm so happy for you, which is, like, what Ralph did. And then at this point, out of nowhere, Michael is just saying to her, oh, by the way, no one's bitter at you or hates you or anything, which is a lie. Like, everyone's super bitter about it. Like, you guys were all just talking about how bitter you were. So it was just weird that he, like, just outright lied to her about it when you just didn't need to say anything. He also appears to be like just pouring something onto the floor that's like in a little like cylindrical container and it's probably like cleanser he like you know those I think it's like comet cleanser comes in those little cylindrical containers like floor cleanser or whatever but it's in a blue container and it looks like Wondra flower if you know what I'm talking about and I just like was like is he pouring flour on the floor maybe maybe it's to like 
give your feet more traction. I just noticed it and I thought it was weird. I've never worked in a kitchen before, so I have no idea. Um, also, he decides to be super shady at this point, and like none of this is necess- like none of this conversation is necessary. He just says all of this shit for no reason. So after being like, "Oh, no one's bitter at you," which is a lie, he then goes on to say, "Like, well, you know, I really think that Chef Ramsay judges each person differently and like has different expectations based on our skill sets." Which is probably true because, you know, this is a group of people coming in. Some have experience in professional kitchens and some are just like home cooks who don't have any kind of experience whatsoever. So yeah, I'm sure he adjusts his expectations based on what he knows that person's capability are. Or what he knows that person's capabilities are. Can't hardly speak. Um, But again, it's just like shady to be like, well, you know, he expected something better of me because that otherwise I would have won. But since you delivered what he expected of you, that's why you won. And just kind of being like, you're only capable of making chicken soup. He's just being shady and rude. Okay, so we cut the next scene and it's five minutes to their nightly dinner service. Um, So Chef Ramsay rounds everyone up and he asks for the stations. So Elsie assigns Jessica to be on starters, Michael to be on vegetables, she'll be on fish, and Gordon says that that's a good choice, and then Ralph is on meat, and so um, they also note that that's the busiest station because like meat being like filet mignon, and that's kind of the um, most popular dish, so... The narrator says that as Hell's Kitchen opens its doors for the eighth time, customers are less likely to accept long waits or subpar food. And we see the customers start to filter in and the servers are taking their orders. So Chef Ramsay starts calling the orders out to the team. And even like on the first table, he kind of starts to get frustrated because it sounds like no one's talking or really communicating with him. Again, like the mood has kind of shifted for all of the contestants and everyone's a little bit more nervous, I guess, about working together and more just kind of looking to be looking out for themselves. And so um, we do get a little flashback to Jessica's like previous night. That was like her worst dinner performance ever. And she's trying to redeem herself. So um, she immediately kind of gets <laughs> gets into it with Gordon. He says that her penne is shit and her salad doesn't look good. She starts to like remake it. Ralph passes by her, tells her to keep it together, keep it together little, like short for little one, I guess. Again, just a little bit weird, but I did notice that. Um, it's just like an established nickname, I guess. Uh, so yeah, she starts off having a little bit of trouble, but an hour into dinner service, um, Michael and Ralph have helped Jessica, so she's kind of getting her starters out. The customers are enjoying the food. We see shots from like around the the dining room of them tasting the food and just being like, oh yeah, it's really good. I don't know why that almost had a Minnesota accent. (laughs) Who knows? Um, and then the narrator says like, regardless of all that happening, Chef Ramsay's looking for a way to speed up the kitchen. Uh, So he calls the team together for a second, tells them to all stop working for a second, calls them in, um, says that the first hour was pathetic and that Jessica clammed up, says that, you know, he's talking to her, but she's not really giving him like anything back, which is weird. I I mean, she's been saying yes, chef, like when he tells her to do things, which is, is, I feel like is all that he asks of them to just acknowledge it. And she was, because if you try to actually like talk back to him, he yells at you and gets frustrated with you. But I guess you just can't win in Chef Ramsay's kitchen. So he's frustrated and he wants everyone to switch sections. So there goes Elsie's orders. um, And he says in a talking head that 
he decided to switch the stations to ensure that the fish, the meat, the vegetables all communicate with each other and that, you know, he tells them that they need some team spirit. So this kind of took me a while to understand like what the deal was, why they all need to be communicating, why that was such a a big thing happening throughout, you know, the show. And basically um, in Chef Ramsay's kitchen, the rule is that all of the dishes for an order need to arrive at the hot plate, which is like the big tray at like the serving pass. Um, They need to all arrive together or like within a minute of each other so that the order goes out all at once. So that means the people who are working on the different stations need to communicate with one another so they know where they all are so that they can all bring their food up for an order at one time. So that's what's happening and that's why he's frustrated that there isn't communication going on. It's it's kind of confusing. Like I feel like if you don't really have experience like watching a lot of these types of shows or being in an actual restaurant kitchen, it's a little bit hard to pick up on exactly what's happening. Um, So it's an hour and a half into dinner service and now the main courses are starting to go out. Um, So Elsie's at her new station. I don't know what station it is. I guess Starters because Starters is the pasta station. Um, But she's on pasta and she's like having issues making it. So Michael goes over to make the penne. Gordon asks Michael while he's over there making, like why Michael's over there making the penne. And Elsie says it's because she doesn't know how to do it. I don't know how at this point like you've been working on this menu for so long and you don't know how to make like everything on the menu especially if you've been rotating stations. It just seems strange to me but Elsie apparently doesn't know what she's doing. Um, Michael I guess is trying to take the penne like back to his station to make and she's like just telling him like no just like show me how to do it one time. I've never done it before if you just show me how to do it I'll know how to do it. But I guess, like, he doesn't want to help her. Like, that's the whole thing is that they've been trying to sabotage her during this dinner service. So I guess he doesn't. Um, Gordon calls them a pile of idiots, which is, like, the one the one time that he ever really says anything kind of negative, like, and insulting towards Elsie. Um, and then I guess he asks them to switch their stations again. It's a little bit confusing. I'm not entirely sure. Or if he's just saying, like, this is why I made you switch stations. Um, so Jessica's on fish and Gordon's getting frustrated that she's not articulating. Like again, this is like she wasn't saying how much more time she needed to have her lobster cooked um, so that all like the the filet could go out at the same time as the lobster. So yeah, he's just getting really frustrated. Um, so it's nearly two hours into the dinner service and, you know, they have taken a step backwards. Um they're just not doing well. They did much better the previous night. Uh, we see a table of women kind of jokingly toast to having no meal. They say that they've only ever gotten their appetizers. Um, the chefs have yet to serve half their diners. And so Jean-Philippe, who's the maitre d', um, he's been trying to appease the angry customers. I feel really bad for Jean-Philippe or JP, as he's known, um, because he gets shit from, like, Gordon and from the customers. And, like, if he goes up and tells Gordon that the customers are complaining, he yells at them. Like, if shit isn't going out because, you know, shit's going down in the kitchen, he has to explain to the customers and they're unhappy. So I feel like there's just, like, no glory in being the maitre d'. Um, So Elsie's in the weeds at this point, and then we see a little flashback of Ralph asking Jessica, like, are you going to help her if she's in the weeds? And Jessica being like, no. Ralph being like, yeah, we're not going to carry her. Um, So Ralph, or no, Jessie, or sorry, Elsie asks Ralph where there's, like, some kind of sauce that she's missing. She needs some sort of sauce. And via the editing, it looks like he just straight up ignores her and, like, doesn't respond at all. 
Which I feel like it's got to be the editing because if he just ignored her totally in the kitchen while like dinner service was happening, I feel like he'd get reamed by Gordon for like not communicating, you know? Like that's his whole thing is like you guys need to communicate. But I don't know. Um, We also see Elsie like saying his name the same, like several times with the same inflection each time. So I know that that was editing, but I just don't know if like he actually ignored her like that or not. And so Gordon's starting to get pretty frustrated with Elsie, but he really doesn't sound angry with her. He just sounds disappointed. And yeah, he just like has a really like soft spot for her. Um, so she she back talks a little bit and he does tell her to shut up and, you know, yells at her about orders being wrong. Um, but he also says like, you know, you need to act like you want it. Like I know that you can do it. Like being encouraging at the same time, it's just so weird because he would never really say that to anyone else. And being like, I know that you can do it. You just need to get it together. He would call them like a fat fuck and that call them like a piece of shit. Um, so Elsie starts tearing up a little bit and then Gordon kind of pulls her aside. Again, this is super unusual that he's like treating her with so much like dignity. Um, so yeah, he pulls her aside to try and like get her back on track. He's not yelling at her like at all. Like he just seems like I really want to help you right now. And so she says like, you need to communicate with me. Like if you're confused about something, you should just check with me. I'll get you back on track. Being so, 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 so nice to her. Like it's really weird. And so even Ralph and Jessica notice like what's happening and they start commenting on it. So um, just kind of she kind of just like nods over to them over there like where they're pulled aside. And she says that's interesting. And Ralph's like what the little one on one instead of screaming. And Jessica's just like yeah. Um, And so yeah it's just like weird that that Elsie was treated with like so much like respect by Gordon when he really doesn't give a shit about anyone else. Um, So yeah he calls her he tells her that she's got to get together but he calls her sweetheart which could be condescending like it could be like patronizing for a man to be like come on sweetheart you've got to get it together but it feels like it's kind of genuine coming from Gordon because if he actually was trying to be condescending to you he would just call you like a fucking idiot <laughs> so again it's just so weird um and he even tells her like go take a deep breath take a minute outside but like come back come back to me and like we'll get this together and so we see a talking head where she's crying and you know she um she says that like she felt like an outsider and no one like was talking to her the whole night you know she we see her in the bathroom trying to compose herself a little bit um and Gordon even says like he goes over to Jean-Philippe and he says yeah she's on the verge you can see that but she comes back in and she kind of jumps back into things um and Gordon again like even after she comes back in tells her like well the minute you're uncertain in your mind you talk to me and I'll come back to you and like we'll figure it out together and so it's just like so weird how nice he is to her but it's sweet I like it I like Elsie a lot I'm a victim to the editing and like Elsie is edited as like a very sweet nice person kind of the protagonist of the series a little bit so I'm all team Elsie on this so it's 10 6 p.m um three hours into dinner service and we hear that the kitchen's only gotten out half of their orders um and at this point one customer tells Jean-Philippe that there was a giant wood splinter in her lobster. Uh you see it on the side of the plate. It is a big fucking splinter and I have no idea how it got into her lobster. Um so he takes it back to Gordon and Gordon shows it to Jessica and he tells her like he's like just keep your lips sh- like keep it shut without any lip like look at what happened. 
And you can tell like Jessica's almost about to fight back. He's like, nope, this isn't bullshit. This isn't an exaggeration. There was a splinter in her lobster. Like you need to fix this. And then he calls Jessica a stupid idiot. So this is like, again, it's just black and white difference in how he treats Elsie versus how he treats the other uh, chefs (laughs) in this competition. Um, So the narrator says that this is one of Hell's Kitchen worst dinner services. Um, We see shots of the unhappy customers starting to leave. Um, Ralph gets yelled at by Gordon for a steak being upside down, which I'm not exactly sure what that means, but it happened. Um, And then Jean-Philippe goes to tell Gordon that two tables walked out, so he shuts service down early. So this is where we know now that um, the backup kitchen staff jumps in and like finishes dinner so that the people can actually eat. Uh, But that's just kind of funny, like those people who left like don't actually get anything, whereas if they had stuck around, they would have gotten something eventually. Um, And then he also goes to tell, uh, or Gordon tells Jean-Philippe, who he refers to as Mr. Belgian Man, Um, to go give the customers excuses as to why they're not getting food which now I know is just for the benefit of the cameras because the customers actually are getting food Um, okay so after the service um, you know all the customers have cleared out the dining room and the Gordon and the chefs kind of meet for their pre-elimination like discussion that happens each time and so he tells that he tells them all that it was a bad service and that for the first time he felt that they were cooking against each other instead of like working together um, felt that no one came together so that no one is going to be uh, like given the ability to nominate the others for elimination which is kind of interesting because that's the first time that's happened this season um, and then tells them all to go back to their dorms and he will have his decision his decision shortly so all four of them are outside um, and at this point you know Elsie is just sitting there and she says that you know she knows that she did the worst tonight and she's realistic and just kind of saying to the others like I, I know I'm probably going to go home and they don't say anything to her. They just like stare at her. And so she just gets up and she leaves. And I feel really bad because she wasn't blaming them. She wasn't saying like, you guys fucked me over tonight. I'm probably going home because of you. She was just being like, yeah, it's I, I know I did the worst. And I know probably maybe looking for a little bit of like reassurance or at least just like some camaraderie. And I don't know. It just kind of pisses me off how they treat Elsie because it's not like it was her fault that she was doing well previously. Um, so the remaining three kind of just sit there and they talk about what were, what went wrong and kind of blame Elsie and say that it was her and she couldn't work her station. Um, Michael does say that it was disheartening when Gordon said that like all four of them are not good enough um, and that he doesn't like that anyone could be going home because when you're at least like the person who's singled out to nominate the others you can at least rest assured that you're safe for that week and so it's hard for him to deal with not having that security right now and knowing that it could be anyone. So all four reassemble for elimination and Gordon says that he's made his decision. And so then he immediately like looks at Michael and he says, you look distraught. And Michael says, yes, you know, it's been frustrating. And so then Gordon says, well, you can't carry a whole kitchen on your back and you did a lot of good things tonight, but clearly not enough. And so I was like, is he sending Michael home? I mean, Michael didn't do poorly by any stretch of the imagination this episode like he did pretty well all things considered he was probably the only person in the kitchen who didn't get yelled at by Gordon that that we saw so it was just weird that he like immediately said that to him because no he like wasn't eliminating him so he calls on Jessica and tells her to step forward tells her that her performance was terrible but you know asks her why she should stay like he kind of does in every episode and so she says that she's getting stronger and it's you know it's hard but she's prepared to work hard 
And then he asks Elsie to step forward. So it's down to Jessica and Elsie. Um, and he asks her um, if she feels she got the right kind of support from the team that night. And so she says that she felt extremely disoriented in the kitchen, but she can't blame anyone but herself for it. And so she just says, you know, I could have done more prep work or I could have worked harder to like learn the dishes. And I think that that's very like sweet of her. I don't know. It's very big of her to say, like take the, um, the responsibility for her own actions and her own performance instead of saying like, yeah, no, I did feel like I was fucked over because they kind of did like they ignored her when she asked for help like they wouldn't just teach her how to do things instead of doing them for her and even Gordon like gives her a chance again to kind of like throw them under the bus and ask like do you feel like you got the support from your colleagues and she says that she did so she kind of just takes all of the blame herself um and he asks her why she should stay she tells him that it should be a great that it's been a great experience and that she has worked really hard but that there's a lot that she doesn't know and she's just given it her best since day one. And so, I don't know, that response kind of didn't say, it, it didn't sound to me like it was her fighting to stay. It kind of just sounded like, I've done, I've worked really hard and if I have to go at this point, like I, I feel good about what I've done. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that was, that's what happens. I kind of, I don't know, he doesn't really give, well, I guess she doesn't really give him a choice with like that response of saying, you know, I've just kind of, I've done my best, but it's really hard and there's a lot I don't know. Whereas Jessica saying like, I've worked really hard and I'm going to keep working. So Elsie is eliminated and I'm really sad because I really like Elsie. Um, and so Gordon tells her that she's made a lot of people very happy and that he's very proud of her. Um, and that for a woman who's never spent an hour in a professional kitchen, she's impressed him and beyond that has touched his heart. And it's, like, so sweet. I'm genuinely getting, like, a little bit emotional thinking about it just because, like, for Gordon Ramsay to actually say that, you know that he means it. And so she uh, has to give him his chef's jacket, and he tells her to keep smiling and that she lights up the place when she smiles. Oh, my God. I'm, like, about to cry. It's, like, so sweet. I don't know. I really like Elsie in this season. Um, so Elsie says goodbye to everyone, and as she walks away, Gordon tells her one last time that he's proud of her again like I'm gonna cry it's it's so cute side note this is not to, to snap me out of being emotional this is also something that I wrote down in my notes at this point um Jessica's wearing those like jelly bracelets those like sex bracelets do you remember those from like I don't know I guess 2005 I definitely wore those but I wasn't wearing them for like the sex reason or whatever but yeah she has those like jelly bracelets and she wears them like linked I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but that's how I used to wear mine. So yeah, that's kind of fun. And then like as Elsie leaves, we see flashbacks from her time on the show. Um, like her highlights of her like, you know, doing well and the challenges and things like that. Um, and we see her slowly walking down the hallway. And her last talking head since that it was, a, it was a long shot, but you know, she's happy and impressed that she got as far as she did and that she might not have won the restaurant, but she feels in her heart that she won. So that's really sweet. And then Gordon gives the final three a pet talk, kind of just being like, you got to get your shit together because you're the final three now. And yeah, then the final scene that happens is there's like a coat room or a back hallway or something. And um, there are these hooks and Gordon takes the chef's coat for whoever the last chef is to be eliminated and stabs their coat onto the hook. And that like signifies their end of the end of their time at Hell's Kitchen. And that's it. He, we see a close-up on Elsie's name kind of stabbed onto the hook. And that's the end of this episode. So, where are they now? 
I wrote down Gordon Ramsay and then I looked at his Wikipedia page and I was just like this is too much stuff to distill into a where are they now. We know that Gordon Ramsay is like still active like he's doing his thing he has a ton of restaurants open he has a ton of tv shows that he's done. Um, Kitchen Nightmares obviously that I talked about he was on MasterChef, MasterChef Junior, all that good stuff. We won't go into it. Gordon Ramsay is a very popular public figure whatever I want to talk about the contestants because that's like a little bit more interesting so Michael Ray um he actually ended up winning the first season of Hell's Kitchen spoiler alert sorry it's a 14 year old show um so yeah he won the first season and he was invited um to to uh train with Gordon in London but ultimately declined because he wanted to stay close to his family So he opened up the restaurant Tattoo in Los Angeles. Um, He went on to be head chef of The Standard in L.A. um, before moving to Arizona. So in recent years, it looked like he actually has kind of fallen on some hard times. Um, He suffered from some different addiction issues that he struggled to overcome. Um, He he might be clean now. I I had a hard time kind of understanding his story. You'll see why in a second. Um, So... He also lost his newborn daughter, which is really sad, and got a divorce from his wife and appears to currently be or have been homeless semi-recently in the past. Um, So the reason that I know all of this is because I found a GoFundMe of his that he just started like last September, September 2018, and he kind of explains um, his story and it's not very clear like the order of when all of these things happen, but it seems like he definitely struggled with addiction and maybe has gotten clean since then definitely struggled with homelessness but maybe has a place to stay now but he's going through a rough time so he does have a GoFundMe to try and get a food truck uh kind of up and running so if you are so inclined to donate to that you can look up Michael Ray um the other contestants Ralph Pagano I think is how you pronounce his name um so he went on to host the show Pressure Cook which was a Uh, on the channel Mojo HD which is just like a video on demand channel I guess like a Roku channel type thing or something like that Um, he also has the restaurant Naked Taco in Miami Beach Florida and Naked Lunch which is at the University of Miami campus Um, Ralph also challenged Bobby Flay on Iron Chef but he lost which is sad because I find Bobby Flay very obnoxious and I like whenever someone beats Bobby Flay on Beat Bobby Flay (laughs) um Jessica Cabo this isn't so much aware of they now but something I did think was really interesting she was actually the first well I mean it's the first season but she was like an openly gay female contestant on the show um and you see in the the episode nine um they have their families are invited to the restaurant and her girlfriend comes and you see like her kiss her girlfriend on screen which I think was you know not terribly uh seen all of the time in 2005 so I appreciate that they showed that Um, So Jessica went back to her job at Yahoo briefly after the show, but then she decided to pursue her passion. So she got a job at a friend's restaurant in L.A. Um, Eventually she opened her own restaurant called Brick and Mortar in Santa Monica. And then in 2013, she became a chef at the Cam Cafe at the Cameron Art Museum and then eventually became um, head chef. And Elsie, my girl Elsie, um, so she published a cookbook called Elsie's Turkey Tacos and a Rose Con Pollo. It's just like um, Latin-inspired dishes for working moms. Uh, She's also appeared on a number of cooking shows, and she partnered with Emusa, I think is how it's pronounced, Emusa Health, um, a homeware company, and embarked on a series of cookery demonstrations. She's also a partner to Health First and promotes healthier alternatives to home-cooked classics. 
So that's where the contestants are now and what they've been up to. Um, And in general, does this show hold up or is it worth a watch? Um, I would say that, you know, it's definitely worth a watch if you're into a good competition reality cooking show like I am. Um, You know, I I like Chopped a lot. I like uh, what Worst Chefs in America, Worst Cooks in America, whatever it's called. Um, Next Food Network Star, I like all of those things. So I did like this a lot. But I don't love all of the negativity about it. I'm not like super into Gordon Ramsay just like screaming at people and insulting them. So I don't love it, love it. But I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, In terms of holding up, I thought it held up super well for a show that's like 14 years old. I think it's just because they are like sequestered in Hell's Kitchen. You don't really see any like outside influences of the time. So um Jessica's hairstyle is a little bit dated she has this very like short spiky hairstyle with like frosted tips but it's fine I mean it's a little bit of 2005 but you know between that like it's just like that and the uh the reference to Schwarzenegger as governor are really the only things that dates this show but otherwise I think it holds up pretty well and if you don't really mind all of the negativity that goes into Gordon Ramsay's um American television presentation style I think it's pretty good All right, guys. Well, I think that's about it for this episode. So thank you so much for joining me. And again, thank you so, so much for bearing with me on uh, last week's delay. I really appreciate you sticking it out. And hopefully this episode made up for it. Um, Thank you so much to the people who left me a five-star rating and review recently. I wanted to just give a shout out specifically to the two, um, Aaron Christine and Danny Stoked. It was really, really nice to read those reviews. So I appreciate that. Um, If you do like this show and you haven't left me a rating or review yet, I would appreciate if you could do that on iTunes or Stitcher or Google or wherever else um, or tell your friends about the show. You can find me on Facebook at Snapback to Reality Podcast, on Instagram at Snapback to Reality Pod, or you can follow my personal Instagram at really underscore Riley. And you can send me an email at snapbackpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll talk to you guys next week. Bye.